0: In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear saints, church attendance has declined. And people don't go to church as they used to. Many are just quitting church altogether and more don't want to join. The number of church-going families has been quickly dropping throughout the states for a long time. In the last 40 years, the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod has lost a quarter, uh, 25% of its membership. It's not just the LCMS. Old church bodies have been affected. In fact, the rate of decline in other denominations is even more staggering. Protestant, evangelical, Roman Catholic churches find themselves more and more empty. They find themselves with more empty pews and not enough people The choir of voices we hear singing God's word next to us gets quieter and quieter. We're printing less and less bulletins, using less and less hymnals, and having less and less people. And on account of this, those who go to church begin to panic. They see members die, and then they see no one to take their place. They see parents leaving their children at home instead of taking them to church. They see members leave over fights and disagreements through impenitence and refusing to forgive. And then when those who go to church see this attendance decline, not only in their own congregation, but in the rest of the United States and also in the rest of the world, then we begin, we begin to get nervous. When they see that the mass of people all around them just don't really care about God or what he has to say... They become desperate, and so many times, they take matters into their own hands. They try the newest technique to make people stay, or they develop a strategy to bring people back, and they come up with a new idea to get people to join. Left and right, churches have turned to experts and marketing strategists. Congregations have poured thousands upon thousands of dollars into what is called the church growth movement. Or there are books and materials and DVDs and workshops that will teach you how to grow the church. And over the past 30 years, we've learned that the main point of all these programs is this. Give the people what they want. And pastors have adopted this and churches have bought into it. And so we've seen churches take the offering money given uh, on account and given for the preaching of the gospel to sustain that word uh, that is purely preached and to sustain the the blessed sacraments of holy baptism and the Lord's Supper. And to take that absolution, uh, the the money given to uh, support the preaching of that absolution and spend it instead on whatever the world wants in that moment. So whether that be a rock band or a coffee shop or a childcare program or a community event, they give the world things in exchange for time. They spend their entire savings, and we've seen this many times before, that churches go into debt in the name of outreach. And while these churches give the world what it wants, they also do another thing. They take away the things that the world doesn't want. So they'll preach the Bible, but not all of it. Any part of the Bible that the world doesn't agree with or necessarily like in that time period, they just stop repeating it altogether. Whether that is that life begins at conception, whether that means that living together before marriage is sinful, that marriage is only between a man and a woman, that God gave men to be pastors and to be the head of their homes, that a man is a man and a woman is a woman, or that Jesus is the only way to the Father and there is no salvation in any other but him. The parts of the Bible that talk about the Lord's Supper bringing detriment and judgment upon those who receive it unworthily is oftentimes left out completely of websites, bulletins, Bible studies, and sermons. The doctrine of Scripture is simply left out. Sermons are watered down. Most of the time, they're about an experience or motivation or giving some weekly assignment. Sermons about the gravity of sin, the terror of God's wrath upon those who sin and the crucifixion and condemnation of Christ are simply omitted from existence. Instead of preaching about the justification of the ungodly through the death and the resurrection of Jesus, they opt for apparently Something more practical and relevant than that. A truth on how to be successful, how to be nice, or how to manage your finances, how to talk to difficult people, how to improve your relationship, overcome earthly hardships, and so forth. Along with all of this, the historic lectionary and the liturgy are cast aside because it's just too difficult for people to learn. And they focus more on feelings and emotions instead of forgiveness, and eternal life. So churches throughout America have done all of these things. Even many of our own Lutheran churches have done the same. And after many years of this, what have we seen? Where has it gotten us? Well, what we've seen is that it still doesn't work. Church attendance continues to decline despite all of these things, despite all of these efforts. And what has been the church growth movement's response to this statistic? It's to try harder. The experts have said to redouble your efforts, employ more marketing strategies, to put out more surveys to see what people want. And in fact, this is really quite sad and frustrating to see as the so-called experts are the ones making money and a living off of the church's decline in attendance. And it's a, a quick fix to fix their own finances. And what's even more sad is that there are churches that are so far into these strategies and methods, and they're, they're so in despair and, and, and vexed by this that they refuse to give up because if they did, then they, they would have to admit defeat or failure. So they simply invest more into it and become more aggressive with it. They hold on to the promises of a numerical and financial growth with all of their might at the expense of their faith in the Word of God. It's... Analogous to a poor man who spends all of his uh, money on lottery tickets just to get out of poverty. And meanwhile, as he does this, he becomes more impoverished. So knowing this, knowing that our strategies and methods haven't worked, knowing that the church is in decline around the United States and in the world, what do we do? Well, instead of believing some book that some guy wrote a few weeks ago, or a couple of years ago, we believe the Word of God that the Holy Spirit caused to be written. Instead of turning to the world's so called experts, we turn to Christ, the only expert who has anything to say to the church. In today's gospel lesson, Jesus showed Peter that Jesus knows more than Peter. Sure, Peter is an expert fisherman. Yes. But Jesus is God. Jesus showed Peter that all of his strategies won't work, not even in fishing, unless God is to bless the work. But he's not interested in teaching Peter how to fish. Just as Jesus showed Peter that he knows more than him when it comes to fishing, he also knows more than us when it comes to bringing people into heaven. Christ is interested in teaching his church and his pastors how to catch men. And this doesn't happen by employing our own strategies and techniques. It happens by trusting that Christ will build up his church by the preaching of his word. And that alone, that it's sufficient for the survival of the church. That the church cannot die when she has this. Because that's what Jesus promised. And his promise won't fail. God will grow His church, and He will do it with His Word and His Word alone. This is the only way the church truly grows. Every other way and method and technique gives the appearance of growth by giving the increase of numbers or finances. But the preaching of God's Word actually, truly, and absolutely grows the church. Why? Because it actually makes people Christians by calling them to repentance. And repentance is how the church grows. It's this that we need to focus on. The fact that people don't come to church shouldn't cause us to abandon God's word. It should cause us to cling to his word all the more, lest we lose the only treasure we have in this life. So you might ask, so why is it then Pastor, why is it that people don't come to church? Why do they stop coming? For those who have come for so long, why do they just simply one Sunday say, I'm never going back? It's because they don't believe they need to be forgiven. And they don't believe they need forgiveness because they don't reckon with their sin. Nevertheless, that doesn't change the church's mission. It's Christ's church. He's the Savior of sinners. If you don't believe and confess that you're a sinner, then you are not going to be interested in a word of the Scriptures. You won't have a felt need for God's word of grace. The reason people don't go to church is because they aren't looking for what the church has to give them. A Savior from their sin. Sure, many people feel their problems. Life is hard and it's unfair. Money is tight, relationships fail and fall apart, families fall apart, work gets hard. People know their problems and they face them every single day. But it's not enough to know that you have problems. You need to know your sin. And you specifically need to learn it. Jesus knows what others need to hear, and he also knows that you need to hear the same thing. The world needs to be a part of the church, and you need this is what the world needs to hear to be a part of the church, and what you need to stay in the church. You need to know that the difficulties of life, the lack of opportunity, the wrongs that you've suffered from others are not your actual and real problems. Your real problem is that you have not loved the Lord your God with all your heart and your, all your soul and strength and mind and that you have not loved your neighbor as yourself. That is your problem, and that makes you a sinner. That gives you the right to cry out the same words that Peter cried out at the knees of Christ, saying, depart from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. You have no right to stand in the presence of God, your maker. Until you know this, The heavenly doctrine of the holy gospel will not touch you. The forgiveness of Christ will never be relevant to you. The message of Jesus' suffering and his death to take away your sin is not going to give you an ounce of joy. The absolution of your sins proclaimed at the beginning of every service and in the Lord's Supper is not going to give you a shred or splinter of peace. Receiving Christ's body and blood for your forgiveness is not going to interest you. The truth about God and his incarnation to bear your sin, to set you free from guilt, will be completely and utterly useless to you unless you're looking for a savior from your sin unless you know that sin is your main problem, the biggest thing that has no answer in this life, then Christ will be irrelevant to you. But for those of you who know your sin, who know your weakness, who know your guilt and the severity of God's wrath, take comfort in the fact that Christ has caught you with the net of his gospel right now. If your heart was crushed by those words, If you felt constrained by the law there and condemned, then rejoice because he now casts his gospel out to you. He's calling you by his gospel in this moment once again, forgiving all of your sins and that he has called and gathered and enlightened every single person here in this church and every single person throughout the whole world that is in his kingdom in the same exact way. The church doesn't create itself You weren't gathered by your own reason or strength. You were called by the Holy Spirit, by that gospel that he preached to you. And this is how the church is created, sustained, identified, and saved by the preaching of the cross. God became sin for us that we might become righteous. Every sin that drags you down to the grave and abandons you to eternal punishment is imputed to Christ who takes it all away. And it's with this word, this gospel, that he catches you and makes you his own. And this is how he will catch others as well, through the same gospel that converted you. The gospel does what the gospel does. Because it's the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes. The gospel is its own power. You can't make it work. It's God's power and not yours. It's his work and not yours. And that's what the gospel lesson teaches us. There's no bait or hook. There's a net that is cast out into the sea. And in the same way, there is no bait or hook for bringing those to salvation. The word of God is simply cast out into this world. We can't lure people to the word of God. We simply preach the truth. We confess it. We cast the net of God's word, it lands where it lands, it gathers who it gathers. God's word will do the work, he will not abandon us. It's the duty of every pastor to preach it rightly, and of course, it's the duty of every Christian to confess it, to give a reason for the hope that is in you. So fathers, teach your children, they will fall away from the faith if you don't teach them the word of God. Children, honor your parents, you will not be a Christian for much longer if you despise their teaching. Rather, repent together and confess that the word of God is your only salvation, the only thing that saves you, and the only thing that saves anyone in this world. This word, which you have, is the most precious treasure on this planet. And don't worry about what others will think, what others will feel about you. Simply confess the word of God purely and rightly. It's better to suffer for doing righteousness' sake than to suffer with a guilty conscience. So as the church attendance declines, don't despair or begin to panic. Keep trusting the Word of God, even if it seems like it's not going to work. Even if you've toiled all day and night with your methods and strategies to no avail, no matter how much sweat is on your brow, repent of trusting in yourself and put your trust in Christ. Yes, churches will close and congregations will disband, but whenever this happens, don't lose hope. Because no matter how much it looks like the church is dying, the church cannot die because Christ promised that even the gates of hell cannot overcome it. The church of God will remain forever. God will continue to cast the net of his word into this fallen world and rescue sinners from the depths of hell. He has done this before every single strategy and method was invented. And he will do it after all of these have failed and are long forgotten. On the last day, he will show you how the gates of heaven are bursting with those he saved through his word and his word alone. That this was sufficient and enough for their salvation. To pull them out of the depths of hell and to bring them into the loving arms of their father in heaven. So don't worry or don't be afraid. Christ forgives your sins and he has forgiven what you have doubted in his word. And take heart that the one thing the church needs the most is the one thing that the church already has. The word of Christ. Hear the words of this hymn. If you seek this one thing needful, turn from all things created. Turn to Jesus and be heedful of the peace and joy he brings. For where God and man both in one are united, with love and forgiveness the heart is delighted, there there is the worthiest lot and the best, where Jesus alone is your joy and your rest. So my longings upward tending, Jesus rests on you alone. All my life on you depending, teach me what to do, will and do. Although the world should forsake and forget you, in love I would follow, I'll never desert you. The words of your teaching, O Lord, are my life, my joy, and my peace in this vain world of strife. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.